everybody, my name is Dustin Pischel, and in today's episode of The Chatting Comedian, I chat with Dave Connick. Dave is a stand-up comedian and actor. As an actor, Dave has appeared on hit TV shows such as The Blacklist, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Fashion, Law and Order, Criminal Intent, Blue Bloods, Boardwalk Empires, Hunters, among many other hit TV shows. I could... I kid you not, Dave has co-hosted seven TV shows. Oh, did I get that wrong? No, that sounds about right, actually. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a bunch of little shows I've done. Yes, yes. Yeah. Keep going, Dustin. You're doing great, okay. and you're making me sound like a real working guy. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> he was the host of HBO's late-night talk show, Hardcore TV. Dave has also starred in two critically acclaimed Broadway solo shows, which are Hebrew, Hebrew School Dropout and Addicted to Show Business. Dave is also a three-time Emmy Award winner. Please welcome the amazing comedy legend, Dave Koenig. <laughs> that is the best introduction I have ever had, Dustin. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank you so much. So, yeah, absolutely. So, I start off every episode by asking the comedian, what's the worst heckler you have ever had? Oh, geez, gosh, oh my. Um, well, let's see. Well, you know, a couple of years, when, during, when the pandemic first started, and there was no work, and I couldn't leave the house, uh, I had to uh, uh, do my act for my wife and kids and uh, in the limping room. And I think about three nights into it, uh, about the third night, I, I asked my kids, where are you from? Uh, they got on legal Zoom and had their names legally changed. So that's probably the toughest I've ever had. It. Yeah. So, yeah, I like, did you do any of those, like, Zoom comedy shows during I, the beginning? No, I, I, this is the only Zoom experience I've ever had that I've actually enjoyed so far. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. No, I, I did I, one or two Zoom comedy shows, and I really hated it. Yeah. <laughs> I hated it. Because you, you, for stand-up comedy, I mean, you got to have the audience. you gotta, yeah. you got to have that that live connection with an audience. Yeah, I, I tried it. Like, I mean, I did it because it was all that I could do, but I have performed a few times in person, and I prefer in person a lot more. Don't, don't you think? I mean, because yeah. if, you, if you have an audience, stand-up comedy, to me, and I'm sure to you, Dustin, it's, it's, it's something you have to do with other people. You can't do it by yourself. Yeah. And Zooming on Zoom kind of feels like you're just doing it by yourself, right? Yeah. Yeah. So how did you get started in comedy? Well, I was uh, I was an obnoxious young child actor. Did you did you do any theater when you were younger? Uh yeah, I did do some. Yeah. Yeah, so I was a I was a child actor, but I was a professional child actor and I wasn't a big star or anything, but I worked a lot and I did a lot of theater. And then I had a uh, 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 my my uh, awkward adolescent years, and then when I was about twenty twenty one years old, um, I really wanted to get back into show business, you know. And see, the thing is about being an actor is you have to wait until someone casts you in something, until someone else writes it, and someone else directs it, and someone else produces it, and then you audition for it, and then you wait, and then maybe you get it, maybe you don't. But with stand-up comedy, especially in the 1980s in New York City, there was stand-up comedy everywhere, and basically every every you know every pizza joint had a had a had a microphone on a stand in the corner and said that we got comedy in the back in the back of the house, so you could pretty much get out there really fast, 
and get on stage and start doing comedy and get that get that uh, immediate audience reaction. So I was going around to uh, different joints, but I was nervous and and I I, I was uh, hesitant, you know. Yeah. And I would sit in the back and I would watch all the other comics and I, you know I wanted to do it, but I was afraid to do it. And I started hanging out at a comedy club in New York City called the Comic Strip. And I was one, I was going there every night, just sitting in the back watching all the comics. And I went up to one of the comics after the show, and it was this funny guy. I thought he, I thought he was very funny on stage, and uh, and I got the nerve up to say, and I was like in my twenties, you know, and he was a little bit younger than me, so he was also in his twenties. And I said to him, I said, "Gee, I really like your act." And he's and he and he says, "Are you a comic? Do you do comedy?" And I went, oh, I don't know, I kind of want to, you know, I don't know, I don't, yeah. He said, no, you really should. He said, you got a good look and you got a good voice and you should do it. So I said, and he kept saying this night after night. And I was kept going, oh, I don't know, I don't know. If, you know. So finally, I, he, said, he said, look, if you don't get up there and do some, do, do some time, I'm not going to let you hang out here anymore. <laughs> so I said, all right. I said, tell you what, I'll come back tomorrow. I'll show you some jokes I wrote and you yeah. tell me what you think. Because I needed, I needed someone else to tell me, you know, I, I didn't have the confidence. So I go back the next day, and I show him some jokes I wrote. And he's, and I had them written down. He's sitting there, he's reading them. He's going, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, that's good, yeah, yeah. All right, then. He, says, he says, wait a second. And he goes into the showroom, into the, into the club, and he whispers something to the MC. And then he comes back out, and he grabs me, and he shoves me into the room. <laughs> Just as the MC is introducing me, yeah. you see, and the MC introduces me, and I get up on stage and I do stand up for the first time, and it went pretty good. And uh, and the kid who 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 was convinced me to do it uh, was Adam Sandler. Wow, yeah, yeah, and 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 uh, that was the first time I did stand up comedy, and I never saw Adam again after that. Because yeah. after that he became. He went on TV and made films, and he became a big star. And now, if I want to see Adam, I got to pay twenty dollars for a, for a theater movie ticket. <laughs> yeah. so. so, did like how old was like? I don't know if you knew. Did you know the exact age of like Adam Sandler? Like, was how successful was he back then? At this point, mm-hmm. uh, I was uh, gee, I, I I was like twenty three or something. So he was probably twenty, you know, because I think yeah. he's a couple of years younger than me. And uh, he had just started doing a little television, mm-hmm. so everybody at the club knew that he was he was starting to break out a little. Yeah. And he uh, he had just gotten cast in his first movie, which we all knew because everywhere he went, he carried the movie script mm-hmm. around with him. Yeah, and uh, so he was just kind of moving up and out of the comic strip as I was coming in at that point. And, uh, but he's the guy who she basically literally shoved me up on stage for the yeah. first time. Yeah. Something I think about is like something I noticed is a lot of times like at like those like comedy clubs, like the comic strip, like Gotham comedy club, the comedy store. A lot of times like really big comics still perform there. Like Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock, Jerry Seinfeld, like, like, cause they can do bigger places, but it's also just like a good atmosphere for comedy, and it's just like it's something that I know. It's like, like there's always like a, it's a like it's a few hundred people watching, but there's like a headliner who makes millions a year. Well, you know, the, the the kind of the cool thing is like a guy like Jerry Seinfeld, who 
is worth, you know, about $37 billion, right? You know, he, he, he could buy and sell America. Yeah. Uh, but he, he does pop into small clubs, like some of the clubs you just mentioned, with, you know, maybe 40 people in the audience. And he'll, he'll pop in and work to work on material uh, just as he always did when he was younger because he's still a working comic and that's the best way to develop material. Yeah. You know, Dustin, you know, when you're developing a new bit or a new joke or a new, you can't, you know, you can't break it out in a big theater where people are paying good money. To, yeah. You gotta break it out in a little club. That's what the clubs are for. You know, they're, 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 they're workout rooms, essentially. Yeah, a lot of times like what I do is sometimes like, uh, sometimes like I like try it out on my parents and stuff like that. And, like, if I think it's, like, good enough, like, they laugh enough and I also think it's good enough, like, I'll take it to perform with. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. And I, I, I tried that, uh, but uh, I tried trying material out on your parents, but they said, who the hell are you? And get the hell out of the <laughs> house. And they called the cops. So I stopped doing that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> was, he a, was it your mailman? Was it my mailman? Yeah. No, the gag was I was trying it out. I was trying yeah. my, my material out on your parents, just as you do. Uh, so, uh, so you worked in Broadway. How did you get into that? Well, now here is 1996, you see. And there was a big hit Broadway revival at the time of the musical Grease, right? Which you might be familiar with, right? Grease. And... And uh, uh, and at the time, it was, it was on Broadway. It had been running for years. Well, they had a character in the show, uh, the radio DJ Vince Fontaine. And what they had done with that character is they kind of they kind of beefed up the role. And the guy who played Vince Fontaine would come out on stage a half hour before the show started, and he would warm up the crowd as they were coming into the theater. So they needed a guy who could do that, who could do crowd work and do stand-up comedy and that sort of thing, as well as being a character in the show. And so I went to see the show. So I got an audition. My agent called. Now, I'm not a, I'm not a singer. No, people don't generally think of me as a singer. So the idea of auditioning for a Broadway musical was completely out of, you know, alien to me. Yeah. But my agent called and said, you know, I got you an audition for for Broadway musical. I said, well, why do they want to see me? And they said, well, yeah. So I went to see the show the night before the audition because I was going in to replace the fellow who was playing Vince Fontaine. And uh, I go in 7.30, half hour before curtain. Uh, he's on stage. I walk in and there's Vince Fontaine on stage. And he's, uh, he's doing jokes and he's doing shtick and he's warming up the crowd. And I think to myself, you know, I, I could do that. You know, I, that's what I do. And then the show starts, and he's a character in the show, and he's a little light musical comedy acting. And I think to myself, I can do that, you know, I, I can do that. And then he would break the fourth wall, you know, in between scenes and pop out and do shtick with the audience. And I think to myself, I can do that. And then intermission, I get a premonition, which has ne it's never happened to me before or since. But I, uh, it suddenly hits me, not only can I do that, I'm going to do that. Yeah. I'm going to get this job and I'm going to star in a Broadway musical. Mm -hmm. Now, 
Intermission's over. Second act. Second act. Vince Fontaine's out on stage, and four backup singers come running up the aisles. They join him on stage, and he belts out this big, beautiful Broadway show tune to start the second act, and my heart sinks. And I go, I, I, I can't. I can't do that. So I show up for the audition. Big Broadway director Jeff Calhoun, big Broadway producer Barry Weisler, who's a big multi-billionaire with, you know, beautiful, gorgeous hair and a $10,000 suit and cufflinks. And he says, do some of the audience warm-up stuff, you know. Now, they had a script for the audience warm-up, but I didn't like any of the jokes. So I had, overnight, I had rewritten all the jokes. I gave them better jokes. So I get up and I start doing some of the audience warm-up. And Barry Weisley, the big producer, goes, ah! <laughs> this guy's great. He's great. I love this kid. I'm killing him. He, he says, read some of the script. You know, do one of the scenes. So I do a scene. Fantastic. I love it. You know, I got the job. He says, he says can you sing? I said, can I sing? I said, Barry, can I sing? I said, no, I can't sing. Here's what you do. Take the four backup singers, turn their mics up. You turn my mic down. I'll fake my way through the song. No one will care. And Barry Weissler, huge Broadway producer, thinks about it for a minute. He goes, works for me. And then eight days later, I'm in a Broadway musical. Wow. That's crazy. And then, and then every couple of weeks, I'd get carried away, and I would belt the song out like, like, huge like i was ethel merman and the musical director would come up to me after the show and he'd say dave dave great show tonight but we could hear you sing <laughs> yeah yeah so how long did he, so you how long did you study that broadway um play i was in i was in greece on broadway for four months and then the show closed so i closed the show you know it had been running for five years and then uh, the four months to me was enough to just bring yeah. it to a screeching halt so like isn't that like one of the things where like was it an off-broadway where you um where you go like out and like travel around or was it like where you stay at the broadway theater no this was on, on broadway at the eugene o'neill theater on broadway and and uh no i wasn't touring i was i was right there and doing a broadway show wow, that's cool so yeah it was it was, it was very cool yeah. it was very cool yeah, ha yeah. have you seen do you watch Kobe Enthusiasm? I, I I haven't seen it in a while, but yeah, I used to watch yeah. it a lot. Yeah. So I remember like when Larry he became like someone in Broadway, like when he oh, started he, doing he, that. Oh, uh, yeah, he he was going to play Bialystok in the producers on Broadway. Oh, yeah. The, the musical, the producers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and like, like I never knew that like Broadway always like actually had comedy. I thought it was always just like this, like sort of like. Like, when I was younger, I remember my mom brought me to this play. It was, like, The Nutcracker. I was, like, really young. Like, I was four, five, six, maybe. And I didn't like it, so I just started booing. <laughs> <laughs> like, I started just, like, screaming, boo, boo. Like, and, like, like I, I didn't even think about it. I think it's, like, once they saw the men in tights, I just started booing. I couldn't handle it. And then... Uh, I, I forget, I forget the rest of it, but I remember people looking at me. The rest of it was you being escorted out of the theater. <laughs> yeah. That was, that's what the rest of it was. Yeah. So why, what was so triggering about these men in tights that just, just caused you to I just didn't spontaneously like it. start heckling and booing? <laughs> I, 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 I didn't think it was right. I just, it grossed me out and I didn't like it. 
I understand. I, I get yeah. you. I get you. So, <laughs> yeah, what was it like? So you were a child actor, like... One child actor, yes. What was, like, that, like... Like, did people ever treat you differently because of that at school? Um, yeah, I mean, it was kind of like this, only I was smaller, you know. Mm-hmm. It was, yeah, show business is... Show, show business is a strange business in general. Yeah. I mean, you've been out on stage and you've, mm-hmm. you've performed, right? So, you know, it's... It's kind of it's it's an unnatural uh, atmosphere, and uh, and uh, it's the same for kids. You know that's why uh, you know child actors oftentimes have have issues later in life. But you know, not me because I'm yeah. I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. So, um, like, did you ever like appear on TV or anything, like as extra roles or anything? No, I didn't do extra work, but I uh, I did some uh, I did a little film work, and then I was up for, I was up for I never got the big job on TV, you know. I I came close to a couple of things, but not nothing major, nothing. You know, my career my career when I was a child actor was was small stuff, you know. Yeah. I wasn't like a, a big star. Yeah, I understand that, but I was just wondering if you ever appeared in like films or stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, did like you. You said that, like, earlier, that, like, you were so obnoxious because of that? Well, I mean, I, I started in the show business when I was about 9 or 10 years yeah. old. So most 9 year, nine or 10-year-old yeah. boys are obnoxious to begin with, <laughs> you know. And then you put yeah. them on stage, and then yeah. it's all helper just yeah. breaks loose. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I was wondering about that. Because, like, I, like, yeah, that's just, like, a really big ego booster. To be up in front of an audience and get, get so like like when you you've done mm-hmm. your, you've done stand up yeah. comedy in front in mm-hmm. front of a crowd right yeah and somebody and you get a, you get a laugh right and yeah. you get that big audience response I mean yeah see other kids don't get that yeah <laughs> nobody's nobody's getting that just hanging out in the uh, in the playground but you get it when you get yeah. out on stage and then you chase that feeling for the rest of your life Dustin yeah. and you know <laughs> yeah so um so. Um, so, what were, like, some of the harsh demands of being a Broadway actor? Um, well, it's hard work, first of all. It's eight, you know, you're doing eight shows a week. And we had a brutal schedule with Grease because it, uh, it was a show that people brought kids to, you know. So they squeezed in a lot of matinees. So we had a lot of matinees and a lot of double, you know, show, nights where you're doing a three o'clock matinee and then an evening show. Um, so it's a lot of hard work. It's not easy. And especially a musical is brutal. You know, it's yeah. like two and a half hours. Of, it's an aerobic workout because uh, you're running around and you're singing and dancing and doing stuff. So uh, you got to be in good shape, you know, to do that. And uh, at the time I was, uh, I was living on cigarettes and chicken soup. So I was, I was down to like, you know, 160 pounds and I was in pretty good shape. <laughs> So you know, Broadway Broadway's not easy. It's tough, but it's it's worth it because it's Broadway. You know? Yeah, like was there a lot of like choreography demands? Well, there were. I mean, I was not particularly good at that. You know, yeah. I, I uh, they kept it simple with me. They would say, "Dave, can you do this?" I go, "No, I can't do that." I can't. Oh, all right, don't worry. We'll we'll, we'll come up with yeah. something else for you to do. You know, I said, yeah. okay, that's good. <laughs> so I'm a I'm a special talent. You got to work with me. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, like um, Tom Cruise. So what? Are, yeah, like Tom Cruise. Yeah. That's <laughs> so what? You've been on the road a lot from stand-up comedy to 
um yeah oh. i'm on the road right yeah. now i'm i'm in florida i'm doing some i'm working in florida right now I'm are you in a hotel a, i'm yes i'm in the deerfield hilton hotel right now this is it isn't that lovely like it comes with a lamp mm-hmm. and uh and i think that's another lamp over there dustin mm-hmm. see these are some of the uh perks of uh of being a touring comic yeah i was like because i was wondering because i've had over like i've had about 57 no i think it's 58 or like to 60 interviews now with comedians and i don't think i've ever had like well they weren't all comedians about like 80 percent of them were 70 and 30 percent were like producers and stuff and, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, those are the ones you want to keep in touch with is the producers. The, yeah. the comics are going to do anything for you, but keep in touch with those producers. Yeah, so I remember, like, well, I don't remember any of them being in, like, a hotel room, which I found. Oh, like- yes. Well, here I am, and I'm at the Deerfield Hilton mm-hmm. in Deerfield Beach, Florida. I'm on tour. I'm, I'm opening. I'm an opening act for a big singer, uh, uh, Melissa Manchester, who had a lot of hit songs back in the 70s. And so uh, this is my uh, this is my room. Yeah. It's just my generic hotel artwork there. Yeah. And uh, these are snacks, Dustin, if you come by. Uh, you get, we got bananas. <laughs> I, got, uh, I got I got, wheat thins, Dustin, and all kinds of good stuff. So, yeah, here I am in a hotel. Jeez, our snack. <laughs> the, the, the exciting life on the road, so different. Yes. Yeah, I, yeah. So, because, like, I, a lot of the people I have on, like, they do, like, well, not, well, I guess I didn't think about how, like, COVID, but, like, a lot of times, like, a lot of them, like, that I've had on, like, Tom Rhodes, I think he's, like, on the road, like, probably at least 35 weeks a year or something crazy like yeah. that. Yeah. So, what comedians inspired you? Jeez, you know, you would think at this stage of my life I would have a good answer to that mm-hmm. question. I mean, I have, I see, I'm, I'm a big fan. I'm, I'm a big comedy fan. I like, and I know how hard it is to put together an act. Mm-hmm. So I have great respect for anybody who's got an act that works and gets laughs. But uh, who inspired me as when I was a kid? And when I was a kid, you see, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a couple of years older than you, Dustin. I don't mm-hmm. know what, do, what are you, what are you, thirty two, thirty three? About. I'm like a couple of years older than you. Yeah, I'm about 92. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I was still coming up in the era of uh, the old show business, the old the old vaudevillians like Jack Benny and George Burns and guys like that. So I always loved those guys. But in terms of stand-up comedy, you know who, I'll tell you who, uh, who I'll tell you a comic who, who really inspired me, uh, is Robert Klein. Do you know Robert Klein? I recognize that name. I think I know what okay. they look like. Look them up. You know, okay. look them up tonight on, on on YouTube or whatever. Robert Klein is, uh, and he's still out there working. He's great. Uh, Robert Klein, to me, kind of w- was the, the first really big uh, new stand-up comic. I mean, not really the others, but yeah. like around 1970, Klein put out an album uh, called Child of the 50s. It was just, it was a stand-up comedy album, and all the routines were about him growing up in the 1950s. And it was just, you know, just stuff about him growing up. And the, I, to me, it's like the Sgt. Pepper's of stand-up comedy albums. Uh, Sgt. Pepper was an album by the Beatles. The Beatles were a rock group. Uh, you know, I have to yeah. reference all. But uh, uh, so Klein was a big, mm-hmm. uh, big, uh, 
I want I wouldn't say it was a big influence, but I just really loved I played that album over and over and over again endlessly for years. And uh and then later later in life, like the first time I met Robert, uh I, I went up to him and I said, Gee, Robert, yeah, I just want to tell you that boy, I tell you that your first stand up album is like to me it's like the Sgt. Pepper's stand up. I mean it's just an amazing album. And Klein said, Oh, thanks and that was yeah. you know well, that's that's great. Thank, thanks. Yeah, that's like when I asked someone to be on my podcast, and like you inspired me so much. I, I loved the TV show you created, and then like they see the message and they never reply. <laughs> the hell with them, yeah. Dustin. The hell with those people. You don't need them. You don't need them. You're a star, Dustin. You are a star. You don't need those people. The hell with them all. Don't listen to me. Don't mm-hmm. listen to me. I'll give you bad advice. Yeah. Yeah, I remember, yeah, um, what was I going to say about, something about, like, yeah, I watched, like, a lot of, like, some of, like, the comedians from the 70s, like, I like some of them, I like, um, George Carlin, um, Sam Kennison, uh, I like, who was the second one you met, George Carlin and Welch? Sam Kennison. Oh, Sam Kennison, yeah, 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 yeah. oh, Sam Kennison, you ever see, uh, uh, the Rodney Dangerfield movie, Back, uh, Back to School? Uh, no. Okay, Rodney Dangerfield. It's a movie with Rodney Dangerfield, who was a brilliant... He was, Now, there's a funny comedy. Yeah. Rodney Dangerfield was funny. He was brilliant. And uh, anyway, Sam Kinison has an incredibly funny scene in that in that film. So you, you would enjoy the hell out of it. Yeah. I remember, like, the thing about uh, Rodney is, like... I It's just crazy how many, like, one-liners he produces. I hear one person... Who's, who's that you talking about? Rodney Dangerfield. Oh, Rodney, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I, like, some people say that's harder to write stories in comedy, which I do, but, like, I, honestly, I think it would be harder to do a bunch of one-liners. Well, Rodney was brilliant, and he studied, the interesting thing about Rodney Dangerfield, and I didn't know the man, so, you know, I'm not trying to say he was my pal or anything, I just, this is just what I know about him, is that, you know, when he first started out in doing stand-up comedy, he was a big—he was a failure. You know, he was just a failure. He, he bombed out of the business, and then he went to work in New Jersey. Uh, he was an aluminum siding salesman, which was, you know, like half a con artist. You know, selling aluminum siding for houses. But then he—he he, he, and he—and he tried to figure out. He looked at comedy almost mathematically, mm-hmm. and he. He analyzed his act to try and figure out why it wasn't working. And he figured out he needed to squeeze in as many jokes as possible. He needed more punchlines, more jokes, more laughs. So he took a, like almost a scientific approach to, to writing jokes. And uh, he tried to get them down to the, the most minimal amount of words possible. He could t- and he got it down to like 11, 12, 13 seconds. So he could squeeze in four or five jokes. You know, most comics are lucky. We try and, it's an unscientific thing, but you try and get at least two or maybe three laughs per minute. You know, it would be great. I mean, Rodney could squeeze in like five, six jokes per minute. So if you watch him on like his old Tonight Show appearances, I mean, the amount of material he's doing is, is, is phenomenal, you know, and it's all funny. Yeah. Something I noticed that works a lot is like, you do like you have like one setup a lot of times well like you have a few setups and then eventually like if it's a story you can have like a punchline after a punchline 
sometimes you can. Well, I mean, it, you know, what you can do is you can tell a story and uh, whatever the story is, and, and you can write jokes for that story so that the story becomes a series of jokes on the, yeah. same, on the same theme, you know. So whatever the, whatever the story is, you know, my, my trip to the dentist. I went to the dentist and the dentist said this and then he opened my mouth and he got the wrong tooth. And the, so you tell the story, but make sure you got like a, a joke or a punchline for each yeah. point in the story, every, every, every step along the way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and that way you can tell a funny story and get five, six, seven jokes in there, you know? Yeah. yeah. I hear that like you should get like, well, what, like, like really good comics aim for is like seven laughs per minute. Well, I mean, that's, that's, sure, that would be yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. So. That, that's a laugh every eight seconds. I don't know, that, 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 I mean, it's good to set your goals high, yeah. though. Shoot for that. Yeah. Don't, don't get depressed if you don't get seven or eight laughs per minute. I mean, that's, yeah. that's a lot of laughs. Yeah, so what are some of your craziest, wait, no, I already asked that one. So, uh. What, so, can you tell me about your Emmy award-winning TV show you hosted, Subway Q&A? Well, that was a show, it was a local TV show in New York City. It aired only in New York City. And uh, I, was, I did that for a couple of years. And it's funny, it was funny stuff. And then what, what, we, what we would do is I would go down onto the subway with a camera crew. You know, like, it was sort of like a... a, a very improvisational and sort of kamikaze television. You go down there with a cameraman and a microphone, and you'd have a have an idea of something, and you'd interview people on the subway, and you'd go real fast, boom, 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 boom. And what you do is you shoot about an hour of material, and then all the magic happens in the editing booth, and then you edit that down to a small chunk, and you get a, like a gem, like a real diamond gem of comedy, and you throw that on the air. And they they, uh, they threw me uh, three local Emmy awards for that. I figured, and the, the local Emmy awards are the same. This is it looks exactly the same as as a as a regular Emmy. Yeah. But the local Emmy awards are a little smaller. So if you got three of them, it equals one big national Emmy. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say it was um like. And now, I wouldn't say a local Emmy because it was a New York Emmy. Yeah, but, well, well it was New York a, City. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. So, what's the worst gig you have ever had? Oh, geez, there's a lot of them. Okay, I'll tell. I, I so I was. Um, okay, I work. I work pretty clean. I'm a fairly clean comic. Um, so I get a lot of gigs where they want you to be clean. And um, but early on, I got a gig. I was uh, booked into a fundraiser uh, for a Pentecostal church. And uh, this is I no disrespect to anybody's religion, but I, I got booked into a, a Pentecostal church fundraiser because I was and I'm working. I'm doing my set, and, and me, I'm kind of like this is my own fault. I'm, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a dummy. I didn't know anything about. It. I didn't know who the Pentecostals were. I just thought it was another form. Of, yeah. So I didn't know how. There's clean. You see. <laughs> There's clean, and then there's apparently there's Pentecostal clean, which is much cleaner. So I'm do, I'm working for the, and I'm about oh ten or fifteen minutes into my act, and everything is going great, and people are laughing, and, and I told a joke 
very mild. It was nothing. It was a mild innuendo. It could not have, you could tell it anywhere. You could tell this joke anywhere, except for at a fundraiser for a Pentecostal church. So I tell the joke, and then I go to tell my next joke, and I realize that the microphone is off. And I went, I went, who, who turned off the microphone? And a woman in the front row said, Jesus did. <laughs> and Dustin, when, when, in show business, just like in life, when Jesus shuts off your microphone, show's over, you know. So that was it. I mean, there was nothing I could do. I said, well, good night. And then I got in my car and got the heck out of there. What was the joke? They argued with the agent about paying me. So. What was the so joke? that was a bad gig. <laughs> yeah, what was the joke? What was the joke? <laughs> Do you remember? Think, uh, yeah, it was... Um, well, I mean, how old are you, Dustin? 13. I can't tell you this joke. This is this is a joke for... This would be for... Well, I can't tell you this joke on this show. Because mm-hmm. it's 4 o'clock in the afternoon. If you do a late night show, Dustin. <laughs> if, we were, if we were Zooming at 11 o'clock at night, I could tell you the joke. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, um, can you tell us about your Broadway show, Hebrew School Dropout? Well, I can. Um, so I'm Jewish, you know, and uh, but I was never, but I was in show business when I was a kid. So my parents were not very religious, and and I was doing show business, so I wasn't very religious. So I never had a lot of religion. I I married an Irish Catholic woman. You see. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, we had to raise the kids Catholic because that's just the way it works. You know, it's, you know, it's mm-hmm. fine, really. You know. So I think my kids might be a little anti-Semitic, just a little. Just a little. <laughs> well, you hear comments, does, and I don't like to make a big deal. I remember one time my son was four years old and he asked me if I'd buy him his own real car, you know? I thought that was kind of cute. I said, no, daddy can't do that. that. That would cost too much money. You know what he said? What? He said, you people. That's what I would think <laughs> My own kids says this to me. So anyway, at one point, so at one point, this is actually semi-serious. So we, we, we at one point, I, um, after nine eleven, you see, and which was yeah. a long time ago before you were born, yeah. and I was down at Ground Zero for a month uh, with the USO because at the time I had the TV show on in New York, Subway Q and A, and I had a little my, I had a little bit of local celebrity. And so I was down at Ground Zero with the USO, um, and they had these respite centers for the workers. You know, they, where the workers could come off the pile and get coffee. And anyway, I was down there to entertain the troops, is what it was. And I spent a month down there, and it was a tough scene. And I kind of absorbed a lot of that grief, and it kind of, you know, did a little bit of a number on my head. So shortly thereafter. Uh, I was thinking, you know, I need, I need something. I need something in my life, you know. And I look over at my wife and kids, and they're going to Catholic church. And I go, well, you know, I, I kind of liked it, you know, because it's, it's men in robes and smoke and and miracles. It's 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 like showbiz. It's like a magic act. It's like Las Vegas, you know. So I said, I'm going to go do this. So I converted. I converted to Catholicism, which was maybe not the smartest. Part. And uh, and I decided I was going to keep it quiet. You know, I didn't want to explain it to him. I'm a Jew, and I can very well, it's too complicated. Mm-hmm. And uh, as luck would have it, Dustin, uh, right at the 
like a week later, I got offered to do my my wife and I got offered to do a husband and wife radio show on on Sirius satellite radio on their Catholic talk show channel. So here I was, a confused man, exploring Catholicism quietly. I just wanted to do it quietly. And then suddenly I was a national spokesman for the Catholic Church, which I wasn't really cut out for. <laughs> yeah. And it was, it was very strenuous. And here I was working for the Catholic Church and, I, and I'm kind of, and I'm a, I'm a Jew with a big mouth. So it didn't really go over. It, yeah. what, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> And uh, so I did that for two years and I was getting back pains and insomnia and I was getting migraine and headaches and I couldn't tell if it was from the pressure of working for the Catholic Church or if my body was rejecting the Catholicism like a bad liver transplant, you know. So uh, I finally, I got us fired. I said that, you know, I couldn't keep my mouth shut on the air about certain things. And so they fired. Fired us. They fired me, and they had. Well, they fired me, and my wife was my co-host. So, the, unfortunately, they had a fire into. And uh, so, I immediately converted back to Judaism, like the next day, you know. And then, what I did was I cleverly, because I have some brains, I, I wrote a very funny show about it, and uh, and I, I got it produced off Broadway, and it got great reviews. And the New York Times reviewed it and said it was hilarious, and and it was called Hebrew School Dropout. Uh, how I converted from Judaism to Catholicism and back to Judaism and lost those stubborn last 10 pounds. That was the name of the show. <laughs> yeah, I, it sort of like reminds me of sort of like a grand reopening of a store for some reason. <laughs> or like a grand re-reopening. That's, you know what, that's what, Dustin, that's a good analogy for life. Yeah, that's a good analogy. You know, in your life, you open a store and you give it your best shot and then somebody burns it to the ground and then you got to go reopen another yeah. store and you just you just keep going. Yeah. Something I noticed is that there's like I've I've only known a few Jewish people, maybe 10 Jewish people throughout my life. And then, well, once, now you know, 11. <laughs> so then once I entered like um, comedy, I noticed that there were like like 20 percent of the people i had on my podcast are jewish like it's only 20 percent i'm surprised well the thing is like i've only known like like one percent of everybody i've known before is like jewish so it's justin where do you live what state are you in where where are you calling in massachusetts oh you're in massachusetts okay sure yeah yeah so i was like i was surprised that like so many people who are jewish work in show business because there's like one of 70 people why work like, in it we run it baby <laughs> <laughs> we're in charge <laughs> yeah because it's like set like one of 70 people are jewish and like one out of like five people in show business are jewish i think that i think the numbers are even like uh, let's see uh, uh, well it's probably about maybe six or seven or eight million jews in america Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, and there's 340 million Americans. So, yeah. but there's 300 thousand people in show business, and 98 percent of them are Jewish. So yeah, so the, the numbers do skew heavily in show business, as well they should. <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, what else? I remember. Um, can you tell us about your Broadway show, Addicted to Show Business? Right. That was that was it was in an off Broadway house. I just want to clarify because I know you know a lot of people 
pump up their credits. They say, oh, I was on Broadway. And they weren't on Broadway. I was on Broadway. I was on Broadway in Greece. That's Broadway. Uh, but I had another off-Broadway show uh, called Addicted to Show Business. And that was a very funny show. And uh, that was me telling my whole, uh, basically my whole life story in comedy. and But funny, with jokes and routines and such. But, it, you know, one of the things about, about writing... And when you can write your own material, you know, obviously, if you're doing stand-up, you're, you're, you're thinking about, you're always looking for ideas, and you're always trying to write more material. And one of the advantages, I think, that, that comics have over regular straight actors who are not comedians is that, you know, we write our own material. We're, we're, not, just, we're not just performers, we're writers. And so uh, I've had the opportunity to write a couple of shows uh, that ran off Broadway, and that was one of them, and it's really kind of a kind of thrill because, and then you could explore uh, comic ideas maybe a with a little bit more depth or elaboration than you can do in a stand-up act. Where yeah. really you're out there fighting for your life, just trying to get as much laughs as you can in as short a period of time. You know? Yeah. So yeah, uh, thank you so much for what. Was it something I said? We're done? No, thank you. Uh, so thank you so much for your time on my podcast. And before we go, is there anything you'd like to promote? Uh, like, um, uh, no, I mean, you can go on my website if you want. And you can see all my TV clips and, and go, wow, look at all that TV work this guy's done. Yeah. How come he's not more famous? <laughs> you know, but that's about it. Other yeah. than that. Oh, and I also, I paint. I do, I do uh, uh, painting. And my painting's on the website. Go on my website. It's got everything. It's you know what we call it, Dustin. It's called DaveKoenig.com. I paid thousands of dollars to a consulting firm to come up with that name. Did thousands actually... and thousands. I spent twenty-eight thousand dollars with market researchers. And what should I name my website? Oh. And we came up with DaveKoenig.com. I thought you said that you paid twenty-eight thousand dollars for the website for a second. No, that would yeah. that would be silly. Why would yeah. a man do a thing like that? Well, people used to do that in, like, the 2010s before, like, you could create it, like, on another website. Oh, yeah, there was a whole scam going on. You're right. Yeah. You're, you're, absolutely. All those web designers who were overcharging everyone, they're all out of business now because everybody just yeah. goes on Wix and yeah. knocks it out for free. Yeah. Dustin, you're doing great work here Thanks. on this show. I'm thrilled that you asked me to do this, and I hope I uh, I gave you some entertainment. Yeah and some enjoyment for your listeners and viewers. Absolutely, and goodbye and have an amazing day. You too, Dustin. Thank you. Bye. Keep up the good work. You Bye. too. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye, Dustin. Bye. Don't hang up on me. Oh. Don't hang up. Let me hang up on you. Okay. I don't know how to do it. Where do I do? You, you press do end, and then you press end meeting for all. I press leave meeting? All right. Okay. Goodbye, Dustin. Bye. Goodbye from the Deerfield Hilton in Florida okay. where I'm on tour. Bye. It's my lamp. Okay. It's my, my phone. <laughs> All right, goodbye, Dustin. Bye.